afternoon, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the KTH 910 AM Interview of the Week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. I hope your relatively new year is going well uh, now that we're uh, pretty well, well into at least a month into it or so. You know, one of the groups, uh, organizations that we have worked really close with uh, through the years that Catholic Radio has been here in North Texas has been the University of Dallas. I'm a graduate, and so I love UD. I have a master's degree from there. And it seems like every year we get more involved with them and they just keep on churning out more and more uh, ways to evangelize and also, of course, a great university there, just a, a stone's throw from where our studio is. And uh, during the next 20 minutes, we're going to talk about a new initiative, a new program they have, uh, which is called Faith Connect. It's a Faith Connect series. And Dr. Ted Wapham is the Dean of the Ann and Joe O. Newhoff School of Ministry at the University of Dallas. And he joins us via phone to talk about uh, this and all other good things uh, associated with the University of Dallas. Uh, Dr. Wapham, uh, good, good to have you on the show with me today. Thanks so much. Glad to be back. All right. So tell me, uh, just as a, a leadoff question, the Joe Ann and Joe O. Newhoff School of Ministry, uh, I know the last year has been kind of different with COVID and the ministry conference. Can you kind of give us an overview of the, the mission and purpose of, the, of that uh, School of Ministry? Absolutely, absolutely. So the School of Ministry is uh, is an expression of uh, the University of Dallas's founding mission to be of service to the Catholics of North Texas. Uh, and so uh, we we started initially as an institute in the 1980s and have grown and grown into a school. We offer graduate programs, uh, an undergraduate major in pastoral ministry, a series of non-credit programs that folks might be familiar with, like our Catholic Biblical School program. Uh, and our Certificate of Pastoral Ministry. We work closely with uh, our diocese in Dallas and in others uh, to provide formation for deacon candidates, uh, and we work with the diocese to uh, host the University of Dallas Ministry Conference each year. Uh, but as you, as we all know, we've been dealing with this pandemic, and uh, so early last spring, we made the decision that uh, we weren't going to be able to have the ministry conference, and we're aware of that. And in fact, uh, we also are aware we're not going to be able to have it in 2021, but we hope to be able to see it come back uh, in 22. And so uh, we we knew we wanted to find a way to respond to this moment that was going on and to be able to be present. Uh, so many f- folks are um, feeling isolated in their homes. They're looking for opportunities for uh, to be formed in ministry where there's so much going on, so many changes in the life of the church right now that uh, we thought it really uh, important to respond to that. And that was the, the origin of the idea of this Faith Connect series. All right. So it is Faith Connect at the University of Dallas Ministry Conference, the Ann and Joe O. Newhoff School of Ministry, uh, a series of virtual workshops happening monthly through June. And so take us back. When did these begin? How many have already happened? What are some of the topics and the speakers? Uh, can you give us an overview of them? Sure, absolutely. So we started uh, in August, and uh, each month, uh, it's the the first Monday, excuse me, the second Monday of each month, uh, we, we uh, put on our virtual workshop, uh, and uh, 
So we've had four or five already. Our first workshop was put on uh, and hosted by uh, our own Dr. Jody Hunt. She is a faculty member here in the School of Ministry, um, and her expertise is in digital theology. She really talked about ways that we can build community online. Uh, we thought that was absolutely essential in the midst of what's been going on and all the use that people are making of Zoom. We've seen all that's going on with social media. Uh, we're, we're being drawn more and more into this framework. And so uh, we really wanted to talk about how, how do we do church? How do we bring church uh, online uh, and, and connect with people in meaningful ways? Uh, we had another panel conversation prior to the election discussing uh, the faithful citizenship document from the, from the bishops. Uh, we have um, just had this, uh, this past week uh, a presentation on digital liturgies and looking at you know, what are we doing when we uh, aren't able to gather for Mass in person and to receive the Eucharist. Um, what, what, how do we make sense of uh, what's happening? Uh, we've also been doing them the, the second Tuesday of each month in Spanish, uh, reflecting the same topics or similar topics with a little different approach. Um, so we've been really excited to, to, to work on these. Um, in our next month, in the month of February, uh, we'll be having a presentation on how to read Scripture at home. Uh, we know lots of folks have those Bibles on their shelves, and um, but but aren't certain how to to read it in a way that's fruitful and to make sense out of it. Um, so uh, so that's our our upcoming lecture topic or mm. workshop topic. Seems like a very eclectic uh, and varied uh, assortment of topics. And are these initially done live? Is it participation based, or are they podcasts that are pre-recorded, or or how are they presented on those second Mondays? So the way that the way that it works, if you go to our website, which is www.udallas.edu forward slash faith connect, there's an opportunity that you can sign up there and we'll send you out a link to uh, participate in the actual session if you're able to be live the day of. And so, uh, so you can participate live in a Zoom session. You'll be able to ask questions and interact. At the same time, we we record those sessions, uh, and after we clean them up a little bit, we post them on our YouTube page. And so uh, we've got that available. So if, if you missed our earlier uh, presentations, uh, you can go back and look at them uh, online now. And I'm assuming these. This is a free, uh, the free access to these. Is That's that right? right. Okay. It's all free, free access. Great. And you know, I I have always loved the ministry conference. Uh, I like you. Hope that next year it, it comes back in person. But uh, you know, we all have to adjust to the the, the current circumstances. Um, I, I know at the the ministry conference, uh, all the the school teachers and people at Catholic, you know, uh, they, everybody goes. And then you also get some lay people and catechists. And so, um, are these designed for any particular kind of people or education level or you know, all come or or, or who? Who do you have in mind for these these presentations? So really, as we did the Faith Connect presentations, what we were were thinking of and had in mind are um, many of the same people who come to the ministry conference, people who um, uh, are involved in the faith life of the church, maybe they're uh, uh, catechists, maybe they are Catholic school teachers, 
uh, and maybe they're just you know highly active members of their community. So in general, uh, they're they're folks um, who are engaged in their faith life. Um, but you know this moment has has brought a lot of uh, questioning and and unsettling uh, in in our lives, and so that's really been one of the reasons for the eclectic set of topics is we were really trying to find ways to speak to what's going on in this very unusual time uh, and and try to address them. And so that's why you see topics like, you know, faith at home, uh, the, the liturgies, um, these kinds of topics, and, and how do we how do we get through uh, what we're all going through together? Yes, Dr. Ted Wapham is my guest. He serves as the dean of the Ann and Joe O. Newhoff School of Ministry at the University of Dallas. Uh, we're talking about the Faith Connect series offered by the University of Dallas Ministry Conference, and um, there are a variety of topics you can visit, as he mentioned. You can go and uh, sign up and see it live the second Monday of each month, including coming up in February. Uh, udallas.edu forward slash faith connect is how you find it. And there's also podcasts of previous uh, presentations as well. You mentioned um, Dr. Wapham about uh, Dr. Jody Hunt doing the first one back in August on you know digital evangelization, I think you said. Um, one of the things that I always find amazing at the UD Ministry Conference is that a lot, a lot of, of course, homegrown talent from UD and the North Texas, but you also bring other people in from other parts of the country. So it's a real eclectic blend. Um, are, are you are, are you going to be having people from other parts of the country uh, hosting some of these, or is this kind of a UD thing? Uh, absolutely. I mean, we, we have focused in particular on on uh, what's going on here. So we've we've made a lot of connections with local talent, uh, but we're bringing in national folks as well, exactly as you've described. So, uh, in at the end of February, the the Landergan Lecture, which is an annual event that the Ministry Conference, excuse me, the School of Ministry hosts. Um, will be uh, presented as a part of the Faith Connect series. The presenter there will be Hoffman Espino. Um, Dr. Espino is at Boston College and is well known for his work and engagement with Hispanic ministry. Uh, and so there uh, he'll be talking a little bit about uh, immigration and race. Um, and uh, so that is uh, on our, our uh, later in February. So there's sort of an additional one in February. Um, we just had in our Spanish language broadcast, um, uh, Faith Connect, uh, a conversation about the charismatic renewal um, that brought in one of the leaders of the charismatic renewal from uh, from the diocese of uh, Baltimore, and so Archdiocese of Baltimore. So we've we've brought in a number of folks and uh, through the process, but but also uh, made use of local talent as well. Yes, and I, I find it interesting. We're recording this on the feast day of St. Thomas Aquinas. Of course, it's not when it's being played back, but, you know, the patron saint of all Catholic education. And um, you kind of hit on it earlier. The, the the times are different right now. The way that we're transmitting uh, catechesis and perhaps even the, the particular needs of the catechist in a, a really new age that none of us really would have foreseen a year and a half ago. Uh, and so it, it takes a different approach doesn't it? Absolutely. Now, we know that um, uh, that many of our parishes have moved to a homeschooling model or to a model where um, uh, faith formation is not happening at the parish, but is happening online. And so that was one uh, 
thing that we wanted to respond to. We knew that parents um, who are the primary catechists and, and always have been, we know that a lot of times um, our, our parents feel uh, uncertain about how to provide that formation. Um, and so that was, uh, that was one of the themes that we were seeking to address as well. Um, and so uh, it's, it's definitely been an unusual time, and we continue to look at that of how how are we you know as we hopefully are opening up here soon, uh, we know that we've got the uh, the vaccine that's beginning to come out and um, but as we hopefully over the summer and into the fall are able to to go back to sort of life at the church at, at normal um, that's the other thing that we're looking for in this faith connect series is to say how do we do that how do we um, encourage our neighbors to come back to church? Uh, there's a lot of concern from some folks that um, uh, it's been so long since some people have been to Mass uh, that, that that we may not return to normal. Yeah, and yeah. So hopefully that those won't. are our responses. Yeah, the the um, the announcement that we have uh, were given to run on the radio said that these are going through June. Are are you going to um, put an end to these this summer, or are you considering continuing them? Well, we're absolutely, you know, right now we're only committed to, to going through June. We'll continue to look at uh, the response that we've received. And, uh, you know, I'd be happy to hear from uh, from folks about uh, the Faith Connect series. Uh, my email address is T-W-H-A-P-H-A-M at Hotmail.com. Excuse me, at udallas.edu. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'd love one. to hear from folks. I think you just gave away your personal one as well. <laughs> uh, okay, so t t wapham at udallas.edu, right? Yeah, uh, t- you can find me online, and and I'd love to hear from you all. If uh, if Faith Connect is something you'd like to see go keep going, uh, we'd be uh, happy to respond to folks. And um, I, I know that the the it, it used to be, and perhaps you're not able to do this now, where you were actually at one time going out to parishes and sending instructors and having parish-based instruction. Is that probably not going on right now, but is that something that might be in the future for the um, the, the uh, School of Ministry as well, is actually going, to, going to people? Absolutely. So uh, Catholic Biblical School and the Certificate of Pastoral Ministry continue to go on right now uh, online in both synchronous, that means like in a Zoom classroom, uh, and asynchronous, a more traditional online format. Uh, so we'll, we're, we're continuing to do those this year. We are going to continue our conversations with our parish partners, and as soon as uh, we feel that we're not going to be endangering the parish or you know bringing more uh, uh, unnecessary risk on the parish community, uh, then we're looking forward to the opportunity to be back uh, out in the community and uh, and available in the flesh with people. Dr. Ted Wapham joining us. We're down to our last few minutes. He is from the, he's the dean of the Ann and Joe O. Newhoff School of Ministry. And uh, our main topic has been the Faith Connect series that started back in August. It's going monthly through at least June. And uh, you can find those every second Monday of the month, including the one coming up here in February. And uh, you can go to udallas.edu uh, forward slash faith connect. And I, I will I'll mention also, uh, I mentioned at the beginning about the close relationship that we've already ha- always had with UD and we're delighted, um, you know, um, to, about your new president, uh, Dr. JJ Sanford. Uh, who has a, a program here on our radio station. We've been working with him for a couple of years, and that's that's a, a, a neat 
uh, exciting thing, which I guess won't officially take place until this summer. Uh, anything else, uh, university wide that you might want to be able to tell us even within or without outside of your own particular realm, uh, Dr. Wapham? Uh, we're really excited about the news about Dr. Sanford. He is, uh, he's been a, a longstanding member of our university community, uh, and uh, has provided great leadership. And I think that, uh, we've done some great work in the last couple of years with, with Dr. Tom Hibbs, and, and I think we're well positioned to be able to continue that growth. Uh, the other thing I'll mention is, you know, if, uh, if there are folks that are, are feeling sort of caught up at home and, and, uh, looking for opportunities to uh, continue to grow in their faith life, um, look look for us online uh, at the School of Ministry, and uh, we have our graduate classes and our uh, non-credit classes, which are really quite affordable. Our, our Certificate of Pastoral Ministry classes start every six weeks, uh, and they're just $50 if you're, in the, um, if you're in the Diocese of Dallas. And so they're a great opportunity to learn more about your faith and to learn ways to share it with other people and are, are the, the the members of uh, the staff I guess uh, at local parishes in the Diocese of Dallas uh, is this something that's kind of built into their own training and formation or do they do it individually if they're working for a parish or uh, what's I guess the relationship with the diocese that way so formally, we, we work with the diocese, uh, and uh, the Certificate of Pastoral Ministry, for example, meets the Master Catechist Certification Program. Uh, there are other concentration areas. So, for example, we have one in youth ministry. So if, you, uh, if you're starting as a youth minister and uh, you don't already have a degree or a background in, uh, in theology or ministry, uh, some people use our certificate programs as uh, – as their credential uh, to provide uh, basic instruction. Um, we, we love to see as many folks come as possible. I think if you're going to make a career out of uh, lay ecclesial ministry or working in a, in a parish as a, as a DRE or as a youth minister, uh, the church really encourages people to get formation at the degree level. But uh, we recognize that, that in terms of time and money, that can be prohibitive. And so the Certificate of Pastoral Ministry provides an alternative pathway to uh, to being certified to 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 volunteer and to teach so it's it's aimed kind of at the the we, we talk about the semi permeable membrane between highly committed <laughs> volunteers and paid uh, parish professionals yeah yeah well it sounds like you guys are as busy as ever you just have to adjust to the new circumstances but uh, it sounds like not a dull moment over there at your office so uh, appreciate the update. Uh, Dr. Ted Wapham again, Dean of the Ann and Joe O. Newhoff School of Ministry. Visit them online at udallas.edu forward slash faith connect to learn about uh, the second Monday uh, uh, virtual workshops uh, that will be happening at least through June. And also, like you said, you can email him, twapham at udallas.edu if you have suggestions or comments about what you hear. And you can always watch him as podcasts as well. I also want to thank, you know, anytime something like this comes together, there's always folks that uh, help put it together, Danielle Milliken and also Oscar Carranza uh, from the University of Dallas, who are instrumental in making this all happen and working out the details. So thanks to both of them. Uh, Dr. Wapham, thanks so much. Anything else we should uh, let our listeners know, or did we cover it? 
I think we covered it all. Thanks so much, Dave. I appreciate it. Appreciate it very much. Good speaking with you. Hoping we can, we can do it again sometime. All right. Sounds great. Thank you very Bye. much. Also, thank you. And uh, thanks to Diane Xavier also for her help uh, running uh, the board for this program. If you have any ideas for future interviews of the week, please email me directly. Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. Have a great rest of your weekend. God bless you. The Office of Deacon Formation for the Diocese of Fort Worth will be hosting online information sessions for men and their wives who are interested in the Deacon Formation program. The online session will be held the third Sunday of each month at 3 p.m. starting Sunday, February 21st. Please email Yesenia Gomez at ygomez at fwdioc.org to register for the session. For more information, you can also visit fwdioc.org or the Diocese Vocation page. Your Odyssey begins at the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving and Italy, UD's rigorous core curriculum sets it apart, an education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition, an education that ennobles and enables students in the pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue. Undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs are available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more. Good afternoon, everybody, and thank you so much for tuning in to this uh, edition of the KTH 910 AM Interview of the Week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Diane Xavier is running uh, the board. I'm Dave Palmer, Executive Director here at the station, and I'm really excited about the testimony and the story that I'm about to share with you. Before I introduce our guest, Roy Johnston, I want to just say that uh, last weekend, and by the way, today we're taping this on the feast day of St. Thomas Aquinas, and that's imp- that's important for reasons you'll learn soon in relation to Roy's life and journey and his present work in the church. But uh, last weekend, I was at St. Michael Parish for the Sunday evening mass doing a talk, and thanks to Father B, I was able to sell some raffle tickets afterwards. And Roy came up and we got into a conversation. He started telling me a little bit about his story. And it was so fascinating that I said, you got to come to the studio and and do an interview. And thanks be to God, here he is. And so I'm going to share with you, and actually he's going to share with you, the story that I have heard. And I think it's really a a testament to God's grace and uh, just you know, one man's journey uh, into the Catholic Church and, uh, you know, all, all that he went through. So I think you're really going to enjoy it. So with no further ado, Roy Johnston, welcome and thanks for being here. Hi, Dave. Thanks for having me. All right, let's go back uh, to the beginning. Uh, you were brought up uh, in a spiritual but not religious household, mom and dad, baptized as a Methodist when you were seven. What, 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 how were your early days like? So, like you said, my parents were spiritual, not religious. They hopped around. I remember going to a Lutheran church, an Episcopal church. And finally, when I was eight or seven or eight years old, uh, my parents decided I needed to be baptized, and we did that in the Methodist church. I don't really remember a whole lot about that other than having some water splashed on my head in front of a bunch of people. And, and really, after that, I don't remember us going to church together as a family again. And... That's uh, so you wouldn't say early on the Christian faith meant much to you other than being baptized and having parents who were spiritual. It wasn't a significant part of your life. Let's uh, let's zip forward because about uh, 18, 19 years ago, 
um, I don't know how old you were at the time, uh, probably in your 20s, you got involved with what you describe as a non-Christian religious group, right? And so what was the appeal? And tell, tell us what you can about that. So I had had some uh, interactions with Christians and with Christ- Christianity and was really kind of disappointed with that. I had a friend who wasn't Christian that invited me to a spiritual group she belonged to. And I went, I experienced their form of worship. I found it fascinating. At first, because it was non-Christian and everything non-Christian was inherently better yeah. than anything that was Christian. Uh, and, and then I began to get some benefit from it, from the community uh, and spending time with other people and ended up a part of that group for about 10 years. Okay. And obviously, there was something appealing, like you said, there was something good you were getting out of it, but ultimately, in the end, I think you, you I told me that it was uh, a bit detrimental to your, uh, to, to your wellness, and uh, you had to get out eventually. Uh, in the midst of that 10-year uh, period or so, when you were dabbling and involved, really, in this non- non-Christian religious group, uh, your dear mother passed away in 2010, right? Uh, and that, that was that a big watershed moment in your life? It was. It brought a lot of awareness for me because even though we had a relationship, the group I was involved with was pretty um, demanding of our time and commitment. And I realized when she had passed away that there was a lot of time that I could have spent with her in the years and months before she passed away that I actually chose to spend with these other people. And it's at that point that I realized that the dynamics of the group was kind of dysfunctional and a little Mm -hmm. controlling. You know, if this was the 90s, we'd probably call it a cult. If if this was Sally, Jesse, Raphael. (laughs) (laughs) Which it isn't. (laughs) It is not. (laughs) No, that's all right. So yeah, just to kind of put it in context. So eventually... 2012, you had had enough, you get out, it was a tough departure because you probably had emotional attachments and friends and all that. Why why the decision ultimately and why then? Well, I think I made that decision because I realized that nobody should have that much power over me. Yeah, Um, Those were the only people I knew outside of my job. And it took about two years to make a clean break. And when I made the the decision, um, I believe it was God's grace, but I made a clean break. I said goodbye. And I offered no explanation after that. I cut all ties with them completely because by that point I realized that the group, it, it, it was dangerous to be mm-hmm. a part of them. And so, yeah, I, I, I broke it up. And at that point I realized I had nobody. Mm-hmm. No had friends, no, no family, friends. really? No. And so you turned to, to drinking, right? Yes, sir. I started drinking scotch quite liberally. I call it thinking water. Yeah. So, and just sitting by yourself in your home or your apartment, just just drinking and uh, to the point of inebriation, right? Uh, yeah, I was drinking yeah. on a daily basis. It was me and my dog. Yeah, the dog wasn't drinking though, right? No, thank goodness. <laughs> so I laugh, but of course, that uh, objectively speaking, that's a really bad thing. But it it also got you to where uh, you are today, and uh, you know we we grow and we all make mistakes, and I'm I'm sure it's. Uh, you know, uh, obviously, obviously something you regret looking back, but in the midst of this, you had an experience I w- I'd love for you to share with our audience about uh, turning on the TV, flipping through the channels one night. I think you said it was like one in the morning. Must have been on cable TV. What did, what did you come across? Sure. So I was doing my nightly thing, drinking scotch and uh, petting my dog and flipping through the channels. And I saw the strangest thing I'd ever seen. There was this little short, fat old woman uh, <laughs> sitting in a chair uh, wearing a, a nun's habit 
And I had never, outside of maybe the flying nun, I had never really seen a, a nun before. Yeah. And looking back now, I know it, it was Mother Angelica. Uh, but I was drunk, and it was funny, and I swore at the television. And she laughed, and she shook her finger at me, and I was so inebriated, I really thought that maybe – you know, she was admonishing me for something wow. that I had said. Wow. I found it intriguing enough, though, that I pretty much started watching her every night after that on EWTN. Yeah, she has that effect on a lot of people. I mean, she was so <laughs> amazingly charismatic in the in the sense of you're you're drawn to her. She was, she was just an amazing woman. So, did you learn a lot? To I me, mean, were you starting to say like, "Wow, this Catholic Church is kind of intriguing. I like what she says." Or what impact did that have? I don't know if I learned anything. I can't quote. Yeah. Anything that Mother Angelica ever said, but her humor, her compassion, and some of the other shows on EWTN led me to believe that maybe uh, Catholicism would be a viable answer for me. I had a lot of questions, of course. One of my questions is, is why Catholicism as opposed to any of the other uh, Protestant religions? And I didn't get any answers really quick, uh, but it definitely piqued my interest because there were some um, some of the things that we did in the religious group that I belonged to were the complete opposite of what Catholicism presents, mm-hmm. and I wanted to uh, investigate that and understand it more. Yeah. So the, the, now you're you're just watching TV. You're learning about the faith while you know watching Mother Angelica and a few other shows in EWTN. But there came a time when you were saying, "I'm going to get in the car and drive over to this Catholic church." Uh, what 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 compelled you? What was the inspiration for that? Uh, actually, a coworker. I was going to work every day and talking about it uh, with a couple of my coworkers at lunch, and one of them was not Christian and probably actually kind of. Uh, anti-Catholic, and she's like, I'm tired of hearing you talk about this. If you want to know what the Catholic Church is about, why don't you just shut up and go? (laughs) Good advice uh, from an unlikely source. Yeah, Yeah, from a non-Catholic. Yeah, so you did that. I did. Well, let me back up. So it took me about two weeks to muster up the courage to go. I looked online. I found the church closest to me, which is St. Michael's in Bedford, and it took a lot of effort for me to want to be able to go. On the morning I decided to go, I found out I really couldn't. Um, I was I was afraid. Um, it, looking back, I didn't know them, but I know now. The reason I was so afraid is my life was a mess, mm-hmm. and I was really afraid that the mess that it was was not. I wasn't good enough. That I needed to get good before I went to church. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know yeah. that's theological yeah, nonsense. Right, right. You, you you go to church in order to get better, right? Yeah. Uh, you don't come that <laughs> good. It's a field hospital for the sick. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. I did have a way to uh, medicate myself to get up the nerve to go. It was my best friend, Scotch. Yeah, Scotch, yeah. Doris White Label. Um, and so I drank about four fingers worth and hopped in the car. Thank God. It's less than a mile from my house. Yeah. I'd also say that this is more than seven years old and cannot be used against me in a court of law. The statute of <laughs> limitations is run its yeah. course. I drove drunk to St. Michael's. Wow, wow. You think about all these these gambles, all these mistakes that you made. And, you know, God, God writes straight with crooked lines, you know, they say. And so uh, the, 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 and I've, I've already been privy to this experience that you had there. Uh, tell, tell us what, what happened during that Mass. Sure. So when I arrived, I had no idea where to go or what to do. I walked in and took an immediate left. There's a side chapel 
at Michael's where they, St. Michael's where they used to have the tabernacle. And when I walked in the door, there was someone laying prostrate, prostrate on the ground, uh, that I didn't see and I almost fell over him. <laughs> so that was a, that was a good first experience. And yeah. they, uh, kindly pointed me to the direction of the church where I needed to go. And I walked in and like any good sinner, I sat on the very back row. Uh, on an outside corner where I could make a fast getaway. Wow. And uh, then you, you experienced the mass and, uh, yeah, and the mass was, yeah, of course you're in a, in a compromised state in the first place, but you weren't so sold on it. It didn't immediately impress you, did it? Yeah, no, not at all. To start off with before mass, people were saying the rosary and they sounded like they were, uh, robots and there was a woman walking around praying the stations of the cross and there were people genuflecting every time. Uh, they came in and then when the mass started, um, everybody seemed really robotic. I didn't understand the, the responsorial yeah. or, or anything like that. Um, I, I refer to all of the actions I was seeing as Catholic calisthenics, <laughs> you know, stand up, sit down, kneel, make the yeah. sign of the cross. Um, and I was just drunk enough that it was, it was really, it was making me mad. Um, and I think looking back, the reason I was mad is I just didn't understand what was mm-hmm. going on. Yeah. And did, by the end of the mass, did anything turn around for you? Did anything happen that impressed you or or how did it end? Well, I got a little bit angrier first. Um, so the homily was fine. I don't remember what Father John spoke about, but it was okay. Um, during the Eucharist, uh, the sacrifice of the mass, uh, Everybody knelt, and it was really, really hard for me to wrap my head around that um, because to me that's a sign of subservience. I thought they were kneeling to the priest. I just didn't understand. And, of course, after that they stood up again, they prayed, and then everybody kneeled again. And when everybody kneeled again, I, I kind of hit my done button. I mm-hmm. was I was finished uh, watching this or participating in it. I felt like I had made a poor decision in Incoming, and I turned around to leave. And when I turned around to leave, <clears throat> it was actually at the point of the elevation. Yeah. And Father John held up the Eucharist and said, "Behold!" And I stopped and I turned around and I looked at him and I looked at all of these people kneeling, and I had one thought, and that thought was, "People only kneel when they're in the presence of a king." Mm. And that one simple thought was enough for me to realize that these people were not kneeling in front of a priest. They were kneeling because they believed they were in a presence yeah. of of a king or the king. And that king would be Jesus Christ. And when I turned around and looked at the Eucharist, I was um, instantly filled with the knowledge and understanding of the real presence of the Eucharist, mm. that Jesus was there, and and through the Eucharist, he was staring at me. So, had you already been taught that through Mother Angelica, or was that the first time that that knowledge of the truth of transubstantiation and uh, the Eucharist or real presence, was it like an infused knowledge? Is that how you describe that it? That was the first time. Yeah. Um, I had watched Mass on television, but I had I had no understanding of what the elevation was, or that at the point of consecration, uh, what was happening. I had no understanding of, of those mechanics. Most of what I had watched on television 
uh, were things about faith and morals and social justice. Mm-hmm. So this was an instant grace that I was given. And really more than the knowledge, I think that the grace of being filled uh, with the love of Jesus Christ uh, was absolutely overwhelming and made an indelible mark mm-hmm. on, on me. Yeah, so what an interesting experience at Mass. If we would all have this kind of uh, experience, you, you know, where you're really, you know, you got the highs and the lows and the the, uh, the grace pouring down upon you. So where did it go from that? I mean, <laughs> did, did you leave and say, I'm, I want to become a Catholic now or what? Actually, Dave, after that, I went home and finished my bottle of scotch. <laughs> okay. So, so, yeah, so it wasn't, good a cl- scotch. Yeah, it wasn't a clean break from your past life, right? Okay. Well, the experience I had was, was pretty overwhelming, but I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't yeah. have a foundation. So I think that there was an instant sort of spiritual metanoia or conversion. Uh, but even with that, you need, I needed, uh, a formal, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I needed to be formally catechized. Yeah, yeah. And that's what RCIA is about, right? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So I called St. Michael's and wanted to join their RCIA. It wasn't a good fit just for scheduling reasons, but I was I was really upset because I wanted to understand more and I wanted to do this thing. I wanted to be Catholic. I mean, I walked around every day and in my head it was... I want to be Catholic. I want to be Catholic. I want to be Catholic. And yeah. so I went to work. And even though I'm, I don't consider coworkers friends, coworkers are people you're in relationship with. Yeah. And I was really upset one day. And one of my coworkers asked, What's wrong? Not the one that told me to shut up and go. <laughs> and I told her, I was like, I want to be Catholic. And I, I, I don't know what to do. I can't figure it out. I can't go to this church. It doesn't work. And she's like, Well, I'm Catholic. And I was like, Okay. And she's like, I'll sponsor you. Wow. And at that point... At a different parish. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't even know what sponsoring was. I mean, mm-hmm. And she said, we have RCIA at St. Maria Goretti, and it's on Thursday nights, and I'll be your RCIA sponsor. And I made a phone call to John Cox. I was within two weeks, I was in RCIA with a sponsor and, and doing doing those things that we do. Yeah. And so now you get to soak up all the, the learning. Did you just love every minute of it, uh, learning more about the, the, the church and, and the I teachings? I did. I'm not sure John Cox appreciated having me in <laughs> class because I was, I was quite demanding. I think it was in my third week, he threw uh, confessions by St. Augustine at me to read. I read that in about three days. And oh, so right. I, was, I turned into a sponge yeah. and just started absorbing anything and everything I could. Um, through reading, through listening to the radio. Uh, Father John Ricardo's Christ is the Answer is one of the greatest shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, he's going to be our summer speaker series speaker uh, this summer. Oh. He's coming to town, but God willing, you know, if we can do an event. I'll pray for that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you need to come. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So uh, went through RCIA, learning everything I could, found some rough spots, you mm-hmm. know, because. What's a conversion story without a little resistance? Yeah, yeah. Um, obedience doesn't come naturally to me. I don't know about you. Uh, so, but I began the process of an ongoing renewal and conversion because our conversion is never, yeah, never done. It's always I, ongoing. I, um, I, I assume the time you went to 
to Mass the first time, did you know that you were not supposed to receive the Eucharist, or you didn't receive? Or, no, I didn't Okay, receive. so how was that first experience for you when you finally were able to receive the Eucharist? Nothing happened. <laughs> I was so excited. I was at St. Maria Goretti's. I hadn't had any sleep in two days. I was so excited, and it was the most beautiful Mass I have ever seen. It was amazing. Um, my back hurt from having to stand so much. I was a nervous wreck. My expectations were so high that receiving yeah. was going to be. You're going to start, you know, like fly out of the church or something. Absolutely. Or, yeah, like uh, St. Cupertino. And yeah, no, that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's okay. Yeah. It's still Jesus. Right, right. It's still great. And you still, I mean, this is many years later, um, and you <clears throat> still have that excitement. If people could see you right now, I can see it in your eyes that you're still excited about being Catholic. And I know you got involved at the parish and uh, scripture and and all that. So um, zip forward to, to now. I, I mentioned at the beginning that there was a significance of St. Thomas Aquinas uh, tell our listeners what that is and uh, what what the, the group that you got involved in. Sure. So I am a member of the Lay Dominicans of Dallas. Our group is called Our Lady of the Rosary of Pompeii. And about four years ago, I'm sorry, about six years ago, I went through Christ Renews His Parish. Yeah, yeah. And it was a great retreat, got me active in the church. And one of the things that I discerned after that was uh, – joining a a lay order or an apostolate. And so I started looking at various groups, apostolates, um, lay ministries and things like that, looking for a good fit. Uh, Tried the secular Franciscan order, uh, was really interested in the Benedictines. Carmelites, not so much. It's all contemplative. It wasn't Mm -hmm. a good fit. And so I was really struggling. And then I discovered that we had uh, the Dominicans the Dominican Priory is yeah. here just right up the road, St. Yeah. Albert the Great. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I sent them an inquiry and showed up. And the very first meeting I was at, they were talking about St. Louis-Marie de Montfort and his book, Secrets of the Rosary, yeah. which was one of the first books that I read on my own before RCIA. And he right. is, not only was he a priest, but he was a lay Dominican. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, St. Catherine of Siena was lay Dominican. Of course, Aquinas, Albert the Great. Uh, 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 there were some others. St. Uh, Martin de Porres. Yeah, de Martin de Porres. Yeah. Yeah, he was yeah. a lay Dominican as well. Yeah. Blessed Pierre. Giorgio Frasati. Was he a Dominican? Yeah, he is a lay Dominican oh, as well. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah he's he great. Yeah, uh, especially for young people. Uh, well, if you're tuning in and you're listening to this fascinating testimony, I've been speaking to Roy Johnston. I've been so fascinated, I haven't even told people who you are other than the, the very beginning of the interview. Roy Johnston is a member of St. Michael Parish in Bedford, and I met him last weekend after a parish talk. He has a fascinating story, needless to say. We're just about out of time, I think. Diane's given me the to, the wrap this up. Um, how would you like, what, what's, what other message do you have for our listeners? Do you want to say something about the lay Dominicans or anything else that you've learned in your interesting journey, uh, into the Catholic church that, uh, that would be a good way to close this out? Sure. I would, uh, share two things with you. Uh, if you are interested in, uh, the lay Dominicans, uh, you can contact us. We have a website, dallaslaydominicans.org. We'd be happy to get in contact with you. Uh, being a Dominican is not a different uh, denomination. It's just a different way of approaching and practicing your Catholicism. And it's a great, great way to live your life. It's a great community. And on a personal note, I would just say that 
Um, Jesus is real. He is fully present in the Eucharist. And regardless of who you are or what your background is, if you go to him and sit with him and you can be in poverty, you don't have to have anything to offer, go sit in front of the tabernacle and just sit. Mm -hmm. It will change your life. Yeah. Well, that's a great way to close out and there's nothing I can add to that. So I thank you for coming in. I I thank God for the the grace that he's poured down upon you. And I know you've got, God's going to continue to use you in a very powerful way. And I'm glad we've been able to, to, uh, uh, give your testimony over the radio. Roy Johnston is the has been my guest. Um that website again for the Dominicans, Lay Dominic what is it? Dallaslaydominicans.org. Okay, Dallaslaydominicans.org and uh, they uh, St. Albert the Great Priory is right there close to University of Dallas, so it's centrally located if anybody was interested. I don't know if they're doing a lot of stuff in person these days, but uh, I know they are uh, active. And so, Roy, thanks so much. Great to, to see you again and appreciate you coming by. And I want to thank Diane Xavier also for her work behind the glass, uh, per, uh, running the board for this program. If you have any ideas for future broadcasts, please email me. I love to hear about uh, good things and good stories and good events and uh, things that are happening here in North Texas that are building up the body of Christ. You can email me directly, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. Have a great rest of your day. God bless you. Thanks for joining us for this week's KATH 910 AM Interview of the Week. We hope you've enjoyed this presentation of Catholic news and information pertinent to North Texas Catholics. Please join us again next week at this same time for another KATH 910 AM Interview of the Week. Looking for a Catholic university where the greatest works of Western and Catholic tradition are the foundation for learning, all in an environment that is faithful to the magisterium? Recommended by the Cardo Newman Society, the University of Dallas offers an exceptional liberal arts education, preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu. Would you like to help mothers in need? Then save the date for the Dallas-Fort Worth Christ Child Society for the love of the baby Sip and See. This fundraiser benefiting the Petty Place and the expansion of the CCS Layette Program will take place on Saturday, February 6th from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. at St. Philip the Apostle Parish in Louisville. To register and for more information, email ccsdfwinfo at gmail.com. That's ccsdfwinfo at gmail.com. Did you know that any Catholic man can join the Knights of Columbus who is 18 years or older? By joining the largest Catholic organization in the world, you can become a better husband, a better father, a better friend, and an overall better Catholic. All you have to do to join is go to knights.net and click join. That's K-N-I-G-H-T-S dot net. This starts your journey as a knight and will give you complete access to all of the fraternal benefits of the Knights of Columbus. Conversations about dying are never easy. Advanced planning ensures your wishes are followed, easing the burden on your family. The Catholic Foundation of Dallas is hosting a free four-part online webinar series on a Catholic perspective on end-of-life issues. The first series takes place on Monday, February 1st from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. with Father Tom Clority, pastor of Prince of Peace Catholic Community in Plano. Father Clority will discuss our Father's sacramental grace for the journey. To register, visit catholicfoundation.com. 
Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Catholic Radio for your soul in North Texas. Heard also on grnonline.com and on your smartphone. 